Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Wednesday, April 5th, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. Okay, welcome to the show. Midweek, Wednesday show. Once again, so much going on. A lot happened in the last uh, 24 hours or so. Um, a lot of stories pulled up, a lot to talk about. But I think I'm going to start here in my uh, home city, the city where I currently live, where I've lived for the past about you know, 11 or so years, San Francisco. Um, everyone knows, and I've said this before on this show, that whenever San Francisco is trending in the news these days, whenever I look on Twitter and see, you know, trending San Francisco, it's never uh, for a good reason. Um, and once again, it's also not for a good reason this time either. I'm sure many of you have heard by now that yesterday on Tuesday, uh, the man who started Cash App, Bob Lee, a young 43-year-old tech guy, was brutally stabbed and killed. In a in a actually a, a pretty good neighborhood. You know, I say pretty good neighborhood, San Francisco, because there was a time when neighborhoods were, were good here. A friend of mine just asked me earlier today, he said, Hey, this this neighborhood, is it still a good neighborhood? And I said, No. I mean, they used to all be good neighborhoods, except maybe for a couple here and there. Like most cities. Most cities, all cities, especially well, major cities. Um, but there's no really safe and that's what we say. When, when people say, is this area good? You know what they mean, right? When people go on vacation and they say, hey, is this a good area? They mean, is it safe? They mean, are they safe? They're sure. They care about things like you know, restaurants and cafes and theaters. But they really want to know that they're going to be safe. Okay? So, no, I would say to people who used to live here or thinking about traveling here, there are no real good areas anymore. And Bob Lee was brutally stabbed to death at 2.30 in the morning in what was formerly known as a pretty nice area here in San Francisco with apartments that will cost you now about four to $6,000 a month. I'll say that again. For people who might be listening to this show in Omaha, Nebraska, Salt Lake City, Utah, probably 98.5% of this country, Four to six thousand dollars a month for a one-bedroom apartment. So this is an area where people kind of demand safety. When you're paying that kind of money in rent, and when you're paying high taxes, as everyone here in California does, you expect some semblance of safety that the government provides for you for that money. Right? It's a quid pro quo that we expect that you expect in a civilized society. You expect some safety. There's never 100% safe, right? If you're going to leave your domicile, there's always a chance something might happen. You might get hit by a car, okay? But you expect that, for the most part, you don't got to think about it too much, right? But that's not the case here anymore. I want people to understand this. Every time one of us, like myself, goes out of our apartments or homes here in San Francisco, we have to worry 
about being killed or about someone attacking us. I was attacked back in January. Um, so this is what we're living through now. This is what we're living. This is why I can I can relate to this story because I was attacked a few months ago. Luckily, the nut job, the the psychopath, the uh, schizophrenic lunatic, uh, one of one of thousands on the streets here in San Francisco, only had his hands and not a knife. This person who killed Bob Lee had a knife and stabbed him to death. The man just went for a walk at two thirty in the morning, and he was stabbed to death. So this happens all the time, by the way. We know that murder's gone up in all of our major cities. The people in Chicago just said, we don't care. We want to vote for a black guy. No one is saying that, by the way. No one's saying that. I'm watching all these TV shows where they're talking about, you know, why is Chicago doing this? Why did Chicago elect a, a uh, anti-police guy? Why did Chicago elect, of all cities, which is much worse in violent crime than San Francisco or even New York, uh, why would they elect a guy who's for defunding the police, who wants to take police off the street, who says we don't putting more money into hiring more police and into safety is not necessary. It's not going to work. Why would you elect someone like that? Plus, what he did the last couple of weeks of the campaign was he was totally racist. He he called white people. He, he basically shit on white people for the last two weeks a dog whistle for the black racist to vote for him. And that's what they did. The black racist voted for him because they wanted a black guy to replace the black woman. They could not accept a white guy replacing the black woman. They would not accept that. So remember, he won by two percentage points, right? I think it was like 15,000 votes out of maybe 340,000. So the difference was the race. The difference was the identity politics. So when people are on TV saying, what is Chicago thinking? Well, they were thinking racist. You see, white people can be racist and black people can be racist. That's a, that's like a real possibility. It's a real thing, by the way. It's a real thing. And so they elected a black guy. Every single mayor in, in the big cities these days are black. Does that make any sense? Let's look at this. Let's look at let's look at odds. What is the percentage? OK of African-Americans in this country or in any city. I think New York might be one of the highest, 18%, 20%. So how is it that you get a black mayor in every Democrat city? How is that? Just with, once again, we're talking about equity and equality. Shouldn't it be at least half-half? Should it be maybe 50% African-Americans, 50% some other race? No, but it's not. Because in these cities, these people who run for office do this racist dog whistling, right? Like this guy did. It's it's on record. Okay. He went after white people for the last couple of weeks and it worked. Why did he go after white people to get the black racists to the polls? And they went there. They went there. And also, and also pussy willow white elitists, liberal scum who uh, hate their own race. They went to the polls you know, the white guilt, they have white guilt. Let's always say they hate their own race, but they have white guilt. They went to the polls and voted for the black guy over the white guy. It doesn't matter that their lives are on the line. It doesn't matter that their family's lives are on the line. It doesn't matter that their friends or the tourist lives are on the line. They don't care. Chicago just said the majority, 49% care, but the 51% said, we don't care. We don't care. We want to elect a black progressive. We want to elect a black extreme lefty because God for fucking bid, 
We should elect someone who's moderate. We can't do that because the Democrat Party is now a extreme wacko left wing cult. That's what they are. There is no moderation in the Democratic Party anymore. There is no moderation in the Democratic Party anymore. They can't even conceive of actually, God forbid, if they ever voted for someone next to an R next to their name, who's going to save their fucking lives and make it easier for them to live and have a quality of life. They can't even think about it. Now, I understand. I get it. You're going to say, Mike, but there are places like deep red states where they never vote for a Democrat. Yeah, but their fucking lives aren't on the line. I guarantee you, if their lives were on the line, if Republicans in those red cities made life unlivable for them, they would elect a Democrat. But in Chicago, in San Francisco, in New York, they won't even consider it anymore. New York, they had considered it for a while. And then, you know, since Trump, they can't elect a Republican because every Republican is Trump because the Democratic Party tells them that because they, they, they know they're dumb enough to buy that crap. So this is the problem. So here we are in San Francisco going back to the city I live in, right, to the city I live in. And we're at a place here where criminals run the city. The criminals run the city. They don't care. Once again, we have district attorneys who knock down felonies to misdemeanors. So when you knock down felonies to misdemeanors, this is what happens. Criminals say, well, why shouldn't we commit felonies? We're going to get it knocked down to misdemeanors. So why not? Let's go for it, baby. Maybe we'll get away with it. There's a better than 50-50 chance that's going to happen. If not, our felony will be knocked down to a misdemeanor, unless, of course, you're the former president of the United States. Then a flimsy felony is upgraded to 34 felonies. This is the problem here. Okay, this is the problem that Democrats are being played and they don't even know they're being played. They don't even know they're being played. And so now we have someone with a higher profile who was killed here in San Francisco. Right. Someone with a higher profile who was killed here in San Francisco. And now people are talking about this. Now articles are being written about this. Once again, regular people like you and I are getting assaulted, raped their stores looted and killed in here in San Francisco and in our major cities every day, multiple times a day. But now someone who's fairly famous and a big techie here in San Francisco is killed. And now, and now as the articles are putting it like the San Francisco standard, like the San Francisco standard, um, now it's reignited, reignited, a public safety debate, okay? This has reignited a public safety debate. Why did it have to take this? And even after this, they're calling it maybe a tipping point in the city fed up with crime. But will this be a tipping point? And why should this have to be the tipping point that someone with a higher profile gets killed? So the details aren't known. They just know that he was walking somewhere at 2.30 in the morning and he was, he was killed. And he owned a Square and he was the guy. If you have Cash App, as millions of people do, he's the guy who created Cash App. The police found him suffering from stab wounds at 2.35 in the morning near the corner of Main and Harrison Streets. And Lee would later die after being rushed to the hospital. Uh, 
he's a former Google engineer and chief engineer officer for Square. And he was visiting San Francisco on a business trip after recently moving to Miami, according to his friends and colleagues. So he was basically uh, here for business, right? So he was a, he was a tourist. He wasn't living here. And um, no arrest has been made. No one knows who did it. It was 2.30 in the morning. It was dark. I don't think there were any cameras. They're looking for people who may have known this. They may have seen it or taken videos or who knows what may have happened or has a security camera that may have picked up something. But now they're talking about, and also he was a friend of Elon Musk, you know. So now they're talking about this and they're saying, oh, we're, we're fed up. We're fed up now. Now we're fed up with all of this crime, okay? Now it's hitting home in a really horrible and painful way, one person said. Okay, um, uh, um, a guy named Zach Colius, a managing partner at Venture Capital. Uh, this is when you start to maybe see changes is when the crime goes into the wealthy areas. And I've talked about this before. When the crime is only in the inner cities, right? Once again, where black people are often the victims of crime. Mostly they are and mostly takes place in their neighborhoods. But when it gets into the, the wealthy areas, in other words, the wealthy white areas, then people say, oh, I, I, think, I think we're fed up now. I think we, we need to actually do something about it. Elon Musk tweeted, very sorry to hear about Bob Lee. Many people I know have been severely assaulted. Violent crime in San Francisco is horrific. And even if attackers are caught, they're often released immediately. Is the city taking stronger action to incarcerate repeat, repeat violent offenders? And he wrote that to Brooke Jenkins, who Brooke Jenkins is the district attorney who was placed there in that position, then recently won election uh, after Chesa Budin was kicked out, recalled. But uh, I think Brooke Jenkins knows what she has to do. Just indict Trump. Find something to indict Trump. I, I know there's nothing, no business in California, San Francisco, but what did that matter? What, what does that matter these days? Just indict Donald Trump. And then the San Francisco voters will love you forever. They'll reelect you a million times. All you have to do is indict Trump. That's the that's the really important stuff that the DAs in our cities are doing. That's the really important stuff that the DAs in places like New York are doing. Forget about violent crime. Who cares? Who cares? Indict Donald Trump. Because when I walk down the street at 2.30 in the morning, like poor Mr. Lee, like poor Bob Lee, I'm worried about Donald Trump stabbing me to death. I fucking worry about Donald Trump stabbing me to death. And I said the same thing when these asshole DAs went after organized crime, went after Italians. I said the same thing. I'm not worried about Don Vito stabbing me at 2.30 in the fucking morning, walking down the street. You know who I worry about. And it's not Don Vito and it's not Don Trump. But yet they don't care. They don't care because they know the voters are going to kiss their asses because their Trump derangement syndrome, their psycho fuck Trump derangement syndrome is going to kick in and they'll love them forever. Just indict Trump. It doesn't matter if violent crime is up 30 percent like it is in San Francisco. It doesn't matter that robberies are up 130 percent like they are in Chicago and New York. It doesn't matter. Just indict Donald Trump and you're in forever. Fucking revolting. Mayor London Breed, who recently pushed to expand police overtime due to a shortage of officers, 
shortage of officers called the killing of Lee a horrible tragedy and noted the incidents being actively investigated. Actively investigated. I'm confident that when the police make an arrest in this case, a DA will do what's necessary to hold any individuals accountable. Sure. Well, she might because this is a high profile case, but they usually don't. We know it. We know it. Alvin Bragg, Alvin Bragg took felonies and made them misdemeanors on 52% of the cases he's had so far. More than half, he's downgraded from felonies to misdemeanors. The law said they should be felonies. The police do the right thing. They do the work. They, they arrest the people and they charge them with the felonies because that's the law. And he downgrades it. He downgrades it. It should be noted that here in San Francisco, since Chesa Budin's left, crime's gone up. Now, I'm not saying bring back Chesa. He was also an extreme leftist disaster. But crime has gone up. I think Jenkins has been around a year and a half now. No help yet. I don't expect anything. Um, the area where Mr. Lee was killed is called Rincon Hill. And once again, it used to be, used to be a very nice area here. And still, you have to pay about 5000 a month to live there. So, you know, and then you have the police commissioner here, Kevin Benedicto, expressing frustration with a deluge of comments on social media and the press, saying many people were exploiting this hor horrific incident for political gain. I, I, I find this interesting. The left does this all the time. When the, pol the politicians are the one who makes the policies, okay? The politicians are the one who make the policies. They're the ones who are the executives, the legislative branch. They're the ones who, she hired the DA here. She hired the DA, the mayor. So it's the politicians who make the policies, okay? Politicians, policies. So when their policies get us fucking killed, when they destroy our cities, oh, it's so political to talk about it. No shit, Sherlock. Yes, it's political. It's the politicians who make the policies. I'm so tired of this bullshit. Okay. Oh, don't talk about it. You got to wait. You got to wait two and a half weeks. You got to wait uh, two and a half weeks and three more days before you can talk about it. Give me a fucking break. You know who doesn't want you to talk about it? The fucking losers who are in charge. The losers who make the policies that get the rest of us fucking killed. They're the ones who don't want you talking about it politically. Then this becomes an agenda. Oh, to live safely, to not be fucking stabbed in the back as you're walking down the street. That's your agenda. Why are you talking about your agenda? Oh, your agenda is so political. Your agenda is so fucking political. Make me sick. Yet, when there's one crime committed by a gun, oh, get rid of the Second Amendment, get rid of all guns. Let the criminals have all the guns. Don't let the people have the guns to defend themselves. Maybe if Mr. Lee had a gun, this fucking guy would have been shot in the fucking head and he would be dead and Mr. Lee would still be alive. Is that a bad thing, liberal? Is it a bad thing to defend ourselves? Is it a bad thing to kill those who want to kill us? Is that bad? Am I a bad guy for wanting that? Yes, I'm fucking mad. What are the odds anything will change now, even though it was a high-profile person? What are the odds? So this, see, I I'll tell you. 
I'll tell you when crime goes down, when we start defending ourselves. And if the police can't do it, and it's not their fault, because police leave here, because the, the city puts no money, because the city talks about giving black people $5 million each while they take money away from the police and police quit and police go away and they go away because they were forced to take a fucking vaccine that didn't even fucking work. Okay, here, this is when crime goes away. When we fight back, when we fight back, if Mr. Lee had a gun and killed the person who tried to kill him, maybe the next guy would say, I'm not going to try to do that. I'm not going to try to stab a guy at 2.30 in the morning because maybe he'll shoot me in the fucking head first. You see, that's how crime goes down. That's how crime goes down, people. When you defend yourself, when you kill those before they kill you, that's how crime goes down. Because those people go away. One way or the other, either leave the city or go into the ground, they go away and we live. That's when crime goes down. And that's what's going to start happening here. I carry mace now. One day I might get a gun. Whether they allow me here to or not, I'd rather be alive and have a gun charge than not have a gun charge and be dead. But I never thought I'd have to even carry mace everywhere. Mace can help you against someone's hands. They can help you against a hammer or even a knife. But against another gun, they're not. You know what's going to help you against another gun? A gun. Hey, liberal. Hey, liberal. How about that? Get, get that to your head. Let's see. Is your head going to explode? If your head's going to explode, if the bad guys have guns, the only way you could possibly defeat them is with equal force, which means you need to have a gun, okay? Just like they do. If they have guns, we need guns so we can kill them so we can live. So the bad guys can go away and we can live. Do you get that, Mr. and Mrs. Shit Liberal? Can you under-fucking-stand that? If you don't live in San Francisco, if you don't live in Chicago, if you don't live in Philadelphia, if you don't live in New York, you might not understand my anger. What can I say? Take a trip here, although I don't recommend it. You take your own chance if you take any kind of a trip to a major city run by Democrats. You take life into your own hands. Don't blame me. But if you want to get a a whiff of how things are, Come on over for a week. I'll show you around. Then you'll see. Then you'll say, oh, now I understand why Mike is so angry. Now I get it. Now I understand. Will this make people wake up? Will this make people wake up? Will this wake people up? I don't know. I don't know. After what just happened in Chicago, I'd have to say no. After what just happened in Chicago. I mean, the, the city with as bad as it is here in San Francisco, and I'm trying to, to make you understand how bad it is through my anger and my words. I hope you get it. It's probably 20 times worse in Chicago. And yet they elect a guy who wanted to defund the police, get rid of the police, and let the criminals run the city who for the last two weeks did his racist dog whistle to get black voters out to the polls, black racists and white racists out to the polls by going after white people, by demonizing an entire race. And the the problem is it won. It won. 
Do you understand? That's the problem. It would be bad enough to do it and lose. All right, if he lost, let's say he lost 51-49 instead of 151, we'd say, well, 49% of the people, why would they have done this? But when the majority vote for this kind of a person, when then when when the same people, many of them, I know I know some people live in their ivory tower, but you know, I'm sure Mr. Lee had a lot of money too. And look at what just happened. But for most people, don't they worry about their own existence? Don't they? Well, they did during COVID. It's interesting how these people, these same people who are afraid of a cold virus, are not afraid of getting killed, robbed, raped. It's mind blowing that the, the brain, and I put that in quotes of the liberal, it's, it's confounding. I don't get it. You're afraid of a cold, but you're not afraid of being shot or killed in a city where crime is through the fucking roof. And so you elect someone who wants to get rid of more police. Great. Great. Great job, Chicago. Great job, Chicago. But they'll do the same thing here in San Francisco. They, they'll re-elect London Breed. They'll re-elect London Breed, no doubt. She'll win by flying colors. I don't doubt it. Look at what it took. Look at the, look at the action it took just to get rid of Lori Lightfoot, even though they, uh, you know, replaced her with... New boss, what was that song? New, new boss, same as the old boss, basically. It's, it's insane. These people are insane. But the problem is, if it only affected them, it would be one thing. But the problem is, it drags the rest of us down with them. It drags the rest of us down with them. So what, I've said this before, you'll know the answer. So what's the answer here? To leave. That's why. Millions of people are leaving California. Don't don't believe that number, which is bad enough. This is a half million people left over the last year or two. It's been more than that. It's been several million. Okay, when they say seven percent of San Francisco left over the last two years, which is horrible, it's probably more like twenty. So, you know, the government's going to underplay the numbers because they don't want to look even worse than they already look. This is why people are leaving California for Texas and Florida and New York for Florida and Texas and Nashville, Tennessee, and all the places because they don't feel safe. In the big cities, they don't feel welcome. They have no quality of life. They have no quality of life. That's the problem. That's why they leave. And the hair gel king of California, where people are getting killed and raped and stabbed on his streets that he runs, can go to red states and call them fascist and scream authoritarian as long as they want. As someone so aptly put it today on Twitter, you can yell, the hair gel king of California, if you're listening to me, Azindame, okay, you, you, Sfachim, you can yell all you want about authoritarianism. We're not going to forget your fascist, authoritarian, dictatorial lockdowns and everything else which killed thousands upon thousands of Californians. We're not going to forget it. You could do this fucking screaming around the country all you want, okay? Trying to distract from your awful record. But we're not going to forget what you did to us over the last three years. We're not going to forget what you did to us. And your political career is going to end one way or the other. People know the way I want it to end. People know the man who I want to end Newsom's political career. But one way or the other, your political career is going to end, you scumbag.
If anyone wants to call in, call in. It's called call in. You know, this is called call in. It's not called speak in. It's called call in. So if you want to call in, go ahead. There is some good news. There's some good news. It's unfortunate I have to spend the first half hour of this show yelling about bad news, but that's the way we are. That's the world we live in these days. The good news. Here's the good news. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has filed paperwork to run for president of the United States of America as a Democrat. Now, here's CNN. Here's CNN. Because Mike isn't just satisfied with good news. He's got to find something wrong with everything. But this is wrong. And I said, you know, so CNN's headline was uh, environmental lawyer and anti-vaccine activist. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has filed paperwork with the FEC to run for president in 2024. What I wonder, what I wonder, and I tweeted this to CNN. They didn't tweet me back remarkably. I said, when Joe Biden announces he's going to run again, if he does, is your headline going to be elderly, brain-addled, dementia-ridden president runs for re-election? Or let's say it's Gavin Newsom. Are you going to say lockdown enthusiast? Are you going to say lockdown enthusiast? who lost millions of people out of his state, runs for president? Of course not. Of course not. But no, it's an environmental lawyer, an anti-vaccine activist who was 125,000% right about the COVID vaccine. And thinking about it now, he's probably right about all vaccines. Because if Big Pharma lied to us about COVID vaccines, if Fauci and Big Pharma and Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson, which causes cancer with their fucking talcum powder, they gave him he trusted for, to give talcum powder, um, says it was a safe, effective vaccine, and it's not, then we have to assume they've been lying about vaccines, and vaccines do cause autism. So Robert F. Kennedy, who was five million times right about the COVID vaccine, and a great environmental lawyer, lawyer by the way, he also was very big on, on water, clean water and water rights. When I met him, I did meet him. I think I've told the story before. When I met him back in 2007, um, in Seattle at a gym, I was talking to him and he, I said, why are you here? He said, I'm here for some environmental meeting on, on water, you know, water rights and clean water. And he would go around the country and other countries doing this always, always doing something that actually matters. Not like environmental nut job, not like that, 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 uh, inbred looking nut job who, who goes around Greta Thunberg, not like her real environmental activism. Clean water, clean air. That's what he was involved with, okay? The filing was concerned Wednesday by his campaign treasurer. He's got a campaign treasurer, so he's in. He's 69 years old, and of course, he's the son of former New York Senator, U.S. Attorney General, and assassinated 1968 presidential candidate Bobby Kennedy, and the nephew of late President John F. Kennedy. Kennedy Jr. is a longtime vaccine skeptic. He has promoted discredit. Now, this is also wrong, by the way. He is a longtime vaccine. That's true. But he's promoted discredited claims linking vaccines and autism. And that's wrong. They, they have not been discredited. That's like saying that if I say, and he said, which he did, that the vaccine, the COVID vaccine doesn't stop the spread, CNN would have said that that was discredited. They might still say it. Even now, they might still say it. But we know it's not discredited. And it's also not discredited that the vaccine causes injuries. We know that also now. So forget about what CNN says or MSNBC or any news outlet says about vaccines, okay? And by the way, the Children's Health Defense is not an anti-vaccine organization. They're an organization that takes on legal cases like they have during COVID, where big pharma does things to harm, 
harm us, especially children, and they do lawsuits. And by the way, they win almost all the lawsuits. All the lawsuits they filed about the COVID vaccine, they have won because they're on the right side. So Children's Health Defense is one of the few organizations that was out front at the beginning against this useless, unsafe vaccine. And yes, he has criticized. Oh, he railed. Here, listen, this is CNN. Listen to this. He's also railed against the coronavirus vaccine. How dare he rail against a useless vaccine that killed more people than it saved? How dare he? How dare he? Wait a minute. He had the balls to say the vaccine wasn't going to stop the spread and then it doesn't stop the spread. How come they didn't write that? And he criticized the federal government's handling of the pandemic. Oh, that makes him in DeSantis and nobody else, really. In 2019, three members of his family, his sister Kathleen Kennedy Townsend, brother Joseph B. Kennedy and, and niece Maeve Kennedy McKean, forcefully denounced his anti-vaccine views in a political magazine. Great. Because they're all because they're nut job liberals. They're nut job liberals. Someone asked me today why he can't run as a Republican. Which he probably should. The Democrats don't even. First of all, we know the Democrats rig their primaries. Republicans don't. Democrats admitted they rig their primaries and they can. He said it's their primary. They can rig it. They said this. It's in court. Um, so he should run as a Republican, but it's a Kennedy. And God forbid. God forbid a Kennedy run as a Republican. Although someone reminded me on Twitter today that John Kennedy is a Republican. Not the same family, of course. Doesn't sound anything like them either. Uh, in 2022, Kennedy Jr. Okay, so this is basically, if you read the CNN thing, it's all a total hit job on him, which shows right away that they're on their knees with the DNC's you-know-what in their mouth. Right away, right after the bat. We saw this with Bernie Sanders. Right away, not, 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 not the chosen candidate. All right, get at him. They got there. Right away, they got the left-wing media on the job. Right away. Attack him, destroy him right away, baby, because he's not Joe Biden. He's not a fucking 50-year liar. He's not a demented fucking Alzheimer-ridden 80-year-old jackass. So we have to go after him. Go after him. Go after him. God forbid. God forbid someone who's not the chosen one should run in the Democratic primary. You got to be Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden or Barack Obama or Bill Clinton. If you're not a Clinton, a Biden or Obama, you have no fucking right to run for president as a Democrat in the 21st century. You have no fucking right. And you should be immediately destroyed. Immediately destroyed. So this is a hit job by CNN. The Clinton, remember, they used to be known as the Clinton News Network, and they're still the Clinton News Network three decades later after their inception. <clears throat> so despite the CNN, the uh, obvious expected hit job by CNN, by CNN, he's running, which is good, which is good. Actually, great. We thought this might happen. There were some people who said maybe it wouldn't happen, you know, because of the Kennedy's unfortunate history. But it's been a long time, and we have a lot of advances when it comes to protecting people, and I think he'll be fine. But um, it's obvious that, of course, the Democratic Party is going to attack him right away. Like CNN attacked him right away, right away, right off the bat. 
They were ready to go. They had this, this, the DNC made sure CNN and MSNBC and ABC, you know, the usual offenders had everything ready to go just in case he decided to file. Make sure you have all your anti-vaccine bile ready to go. Make sure you peg him as a nut job right away. Right away. Bobby Kennedy's son, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., great environmental activists who they loved until the COVID vaccine. They loved it. They loved him for his environmentalism. But now you have to totally attack him and go after him and destroy him. Because he's not the chosen one. He dare run against Joe Biden. Oh, he dare run against this genius, this this honest genius who's got all of his marbles. Oh, you have we have to have you have to have 82 year old Joe Biden winning reelection. It's important. It must happen. It has to happen. Anyone who runs against 82-year-old brain-addled Joe Biden must be assassinated in the media. We must take him down. Our left-wing media friends have to take them out for us. God. Well, that was the good news. <laughs> that was the, that's the good news of the day. Bobby Jr. <laughs> but that's great. So there is an alternative for people with a brain, for people with a brain who don't have Trump derangement syndrome of either kind, who uh, don't believe that unless you're a Biden, a Clinton or Obama, you, you can't be president. We have an alternative. People have an alternative now. And that's Bobby Kennedy Jr. And I, I've talked about this in the past. Uh, his voice is an issue. He, I don't know what that's called. Maybe a doctor can come on, but he has that thing that I think also uh, other people, I, uh, Hepburn, right? Catherine Hepburn had it, not Audrey Hepburn, Catherine Hepburn. It was, it was, it's the thing with the voice, you know, very shaky. You know, once he starts talking, it's not that big of a deal, but he has trouble getting going sometime with that. And that's an issue because we're a very superficial world. Uh, you know, not that uh, Trump has dulcet tones, like Trump is soothing. But Bobby Kennedy Jr. does have some kind of a medical issue with his voice. And I don't know how much this is going to interfere with him running for president. You got to give a lot of speeches. You got to be in debates. You know how it goes. You got to go around the country talking to people. So I'm hoping people are really used to it by now. So it doesn't make a big deal. Because obviously, obviously, let's let's put it this way. If I hear it, I'm allowed to say this because I'm not a, a, a cultist Democrat. If I hear one Democrat say anything about his voice being a problem. I'm going to take my hand and I'm going to slap him right in the face. I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to do a Will Smith on every Democrat who says that. Let me tell you why. Because they have no problem with a brain-addled, Alzheimer-ridden 80-year-old being president. They have no problem with a guy who says, hello and good night, running for senator. Then he goes, then he gets depressed for two months. They have no problem with any of that. That's not the stroke, the depression, the, the, the Alzheimer's. Those are fine. But the, if the guy has a little bit of a, a voice impediment, he can't run. If I hear one Democrat, if I hear one Democrat who supported Biden and Fetterman say anything about this, I'm slapping him in the face. And then Brooke Jenkins will arrest me for assault, of course, while the guy that, you know, shoots someone in the back will go free. That's San Francisco. But let's not be hypocrites here, Democrats, okay? If you think it's okay for Biden to be president, if you think it's okay for Fetterman to be U.S. senator, then it's okay for Bobby Kennedy Jr. to run for president, okay? Let's get it straight.
Let's get this all uh, straight right now. I'm not going to take your shit on this either. <clears throat> speaking of the campaign trail, speaking of the campaign trail, the Trump campaign. Oh, I have a poll. I have a poll. You know how big I am into early polls, but not really. But it's, it's a poll I've talked about in the past, which is very important in the general election, which was the independent vote. The independents always decide the president in a general election, and they will continue to decide the president in the general election. And Trump did poorly with independence in 2016. He did poorly with independence in 2020. And he's doing poorly with independence now, especially after his latest legal battle. Uh, uh, but DeSantis has no problem with independence. And we saw that in Florida. That's why he won by a million and a half votes in a state where it's usually, you know, maybe a, a 30,000, 50,000 vote win either way, because he got all these independents to vote for him. It wasn't just Republicans. He got Democrats and independents. So a 2024 Biden versus DeSantis polling among independents by the very highly rated Quinnipiac, which gets an A minus for polling in. Let's look at this. March 13th. So just. Three weeks ago, he was slightly ahead of Biden, 59.45. Now, he's ahead 54.35. He's ahead by 19 points. Trump performs 13 points worse than DeSantis among independents on average. That's why, as I say, Trump is not going to win a general election, and DeSantis will. So you have that choice, Republicans. You have that. Look, everyone's I, I, I'm mad at everyone these days, Democrats, Republicans, because of Trump derangement syndrome. I think both parties would be vastly different without Donald Trump around. Vastly different. But we have this Trump derangement syndrome, the left wing kind and the right wing kind where you either love him or hate him. And no facts, evidence, nothing gets through. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Mr. and Mrs. Republican. If you nominate Donald Trump, you're going to have President Biden or President Newsom. And we can we, we talked about this. The President Biden will, will become President Harris. Or if you nominate DeSantis, you'll have President DeSantis. So it's up to you. And like I said, you want to get that revenge against these terrible Democrats that you feel has persecuted Trump, prosecuted and persecuted. You're going to have to get it through a different body. You got to get it through a different physical entity, and that's Ron DeSantis. You can get your revenge through him, and that should be great revenge, defeating a Newsom or a Biden. But you're going to have to get it through him because Trump can't deliver it this time around. He couldn't deliver it last time around without all this circus stuff around him that's around him now. Well, there's always a circus around Trump, and that's also what makes DeSantis better. Why not nominate someone without the circus who doesn't bring a circus to him? Everywhere he goes, Trump brings a circus to him everywhere he goes. Why do you need that? Why take a chance with that when you have an alternative that's even stronger in a general election? I don't know. That's all I can say about that. Uh, but here it is. Trump campaign is now trying to raid DeSantis donors with a pollster pitch. This is how desperate Donald Trump is. And you know how desperate he is, because I don't know if you I know a lot of people don't have TV. One person listening right now doesn't have a TV. I know that. So a lot of people don't have TVs these days. But if you do, are you seeing 
the anti-DeSantis ads being run by Trump, by whatever, Make America Great Again PAC. It's Trump. Do you see these? Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen? I want you to go back in your memory and think if you've ever seen uh, a candidate going after another person who's not even in the race yet. I've never seen it before. And I have followed every presidential race very closely since the late 80s. And I've never seen a candidate that's in going after a candidate that's not. This shows how afraid of Ron DeSantis Donald Trump is. He's totally frightened. And now his, his, his presidential campaign is trying to enlist donors who have supported Governor Ron DeSantis by presenting the former president's rising poll numbers as an unstoppable force in the race for the U.S. Republican nomination. I wonder if he showed that poll I just read to you. I wonder if Trump has shown the poll among independents. No, he hasn't. You know he hasn't shown that one. All he's showing of this poll, of these polls that show him leading a guy who's not even in the race yet in the Republican primary. Now, if you're a donor, if you're a big money donor, you're a lot smarter than that. You understand that the idea is to win the general election, not just the primary. And you know, believe me, if I know it, these big donors know it. Independence are very important. So they know that. So Ron DeSantis will show his donors this poll that I just read to you. And that's why all these people are donating to Ron DeSantis, even though if you do have one of those boob tubes, if you do hand one of those boob tubes, you constantly see, and I'm seeing it a lot on Fox, this promotion of the fact that Trump is raising money since his indictment. Oh, he's raised $6 million. Oh, now it's $8 million. Oh, now it's $9 million. But they don't tell you. They leave out the fact that a guy who's not even in the race yet just raised $30 million online and from other donors. He's not even in yet. Okay? So we know that there are certain people in the media, both on the right and the left, who want Trump to be the nominee for various reasons. There are the people on the right with Trump derangement syndrome who just love him and want him. And there are people on the left who want him there because they know he's the weaker candidate come the general election. So there there are different reasons people want Trump to be the nominee. But what you're bombarded now. So if you're watching CNN and MSNBC, they've gotten the memo that we want to get Trump to that nomination, right? Because we know we'll destroy him in November. And then if you watch like Fox News, you'll see people here who just suck up to Donald Trump all the time because they love him and that's it. So DeSantis is getting it from both sides. He'll have to deal with that. He's going to be getting it from both sides for a while. He's going to be getting it the whole time. But he does have some like um, Massey, uh, Congressman Massey came out today and said he supported DeSantis. You're getting a lot of these anti-establishment outside the establishment Republicans who Trump says he is, which he's not. And they're supporting Ron DeSantis. And you're getting a lot of these PACs who are giving him tens of millions of dollars before he's even in. So he's got a very loyal, very wealthy donor base, okay, who know that it's much better. Any smart donor is not going to put their money on Trump. You know who's going to put their money on Trump? These, these voters who have Trump derangement syndrome. These voters who have TDS will give their ten, fifteen, hundred dollars that they can't afford to Donald Trump. But the major donors who actually know things and realize that this guy Trump is general election uh, kryptonite, 
we'll go with Ron DeSantis because no one with a lot of money, you don't get, you know what? We like to go after people with money. I do it sometimes, but you don't usually get this kind of money. You're not usually this kind of a donor. You don't usually give a candidate a lot of money, not knowing the deal, not knowing the political landscape, not getting it, if you will. And these people get that Ron DeSantis is the guy to go with. So this is why Trump is now totally nervous, running ads against him already and trying to get his donors with this ridiculous pollster pitch that none of them are going to be taking seriously, especially this far out against someone who's not even in the race yet. Remember, when, when they're polling a lot of people, yes, there are a lot of people out there with Trump derangement syndrome who's gonna, who are going to be on his side all the way till the end, whatever that end may be or look like. But there are people who like, I'm going to name the guy who's in the race who I know. I'm not going to name the guy who's not in the race. First of all, you and I, we, us, this thing of ours, we know who DeSantis is. We know who Pete Buttigieg is. We know who these people are. We know Asa Hutchinson. A lot of people who don't follow this stuff closely don't even know this. They'll say, oh, I've heard of him. I know this sounds crazy, but it's true. Most people out there don't follow politics like we do, like you and I do, okay? So they don't even know the name DeSantis very well, but they know the name Trump, so they're going to go with him right now. So once, I have to go through this every election cycle. I got to tell people this. Once someone gets in the race, they'll have, they have all that money. He has all that money ready to go. He's got all the machinery ready to go. He starts running ads. He starts going after Trump the way Trump's been going. Remember, Trump's been going after him, and he hasn't been returning it because he's not a candidate yet. So once he's a candidate, he'll start going after Trump and putting chinks in Trump's armor and running ads. And then there'll be campaigning and then there'll be debates. And we know things change. And unfortunately, because the way our political process works, I, I feel like I'm I'm sorry if I, I feel like I'm, I'd rather yell it. I'd rather yell than talk to you like your kindergartners, but I'm, I'm trying not to. But we know what happens is Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada are very important, right? Because those are the first three uh contests. And no matter what the political landscape looks like before that, it can change drastically after what? Well, let's say I'll add a fourth South Carolina, because as we saw with Bernie in 2020, before the primaries even started, he was in the position Trump is in now. Everyone said, oh, he's it. Biden's on the out. Biden's done. No chance. The debates, Biden's terrible. And then Biden lost Iowa and Biden lost New Hampshire and Biden lost Nevada by like 30 points. And everyone said he's done. Biden came in like fourth or fifth in all of those first three. And everyone said, Bernie's the guy. You go on 538. Bernie's winning. It's over. And then what happens? South Carolina happens. And we know the way it was fixed there. And uh, and Biden won and won South Carolina handily over Bernie and everything changed on the dime. If you went to 538.com and looked at who was the projected winner after the first three contests before South Carolina, he gave like Bernie like a 70, no, like an 80% chance of winning and Biden like 10. After South Carolina, like a week after, it was almost reversed. It was like on a dime, things just make a 180 degree turn. So once again, these early states matter. And they can totally change the dynamic of the race. And in early, 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 early polls, we're seeing DeSantis, who's not even in yet, doing pretty well against Trump in Iowa and New Hampshire. So 
it's such, there's such a, every time I see these pundits on TV talking about these things, I, I want to scream at the, and I do scream. Yeah, I know, a little odd, but I scream at the television set, uh, that it's early and it's early and they know it's early, but they need stuff to talk about. Just like I need stuff to talk about. It's early. It's, it's extremely early. Even if DeSantis were in the position Trump is in now, I would still not have confidence that it was over because Bernie was in that position. So I'd say it's still very, very early. We have to wait. Can we at least wait until DeSantis is actually official a candidate before we start taking this stuff seriously? Does that make any sense? Come on now. So the donor thing is important, though. And there's a reason why Trump is, is going after it, because they know that DeSantis has a lot of people. And, and I can only imagine what kind of money push is going to happen once he officially, the day he officially announces, I would like to see the amount of money he makes in the first 24 hours after he officially announces he's running. I think it's going to be a flood of money. And remember, I know. You're thinking, Mike, money, 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 money. And I agree with you. But it shows the support that he has behind that money. Okay? And, of course, you need money to run this president. What did Bernie raise in that first race? A quarter of a billion? I think it was $250 million, Okay? And he's a guy who supposedly doesn't believe in, I don't believe in money and politics. I don't, but you have to raise it if you have any chance of winning. Because your, your opinions won't matter if you don't win, so you have to win to implement the things you want to implement, and you need the money. It's just, it's just like it's reality. Once again, we can't create our own reality. Money, money matters. Money matters, and that's just the way it goes. So DeSantis is doing very well. For, this, for a guy who's not even officially in yet, he's probably doing better than any other person who's never been officially in a race. I mean, even to get one out of every three voters – 30% of Republicans nationwide saying they'd vote for you when you're not even in the race yet is pretty impressive. Look at all the people who aren't in the race yet. Where are they getting in polls? 1%. That's what, that's what people who usually aren't officially in a race yet get. 1%, 2%, 3%. He's got 30, okay? So his starting point is so much further ahead of most people who haven't officially gotten into a race yet. Like nothing we've ever seen before. Now, the people on Fox News know this. The people on MSNBC and CBS uh, and uh, CNN know this, but they won't talk about it because they don't want to make it look like he's got a shot because they want Trump to win. But DeSantis has more than a shot. He's got a really good shot, a really, really, really good shot of winning. Thumbs up for that. Um, what else did I want to talk about? Well, <laughs> there's there's a couple of funny things. I'll, I'll read them in a second. Does, it, does anybody read uh, the Babylon Bee? The Babylon Bee is is very funny. Okay, and they wrote a couple of very funny articles today, <laughs> which I find great. You know, the, the Babylon Bee is the news outlet that's like the right wing version of the Onion, and they were banned from Twitter with the former you know, losers who ran Twitter. The Onion wasn't banned for being false news, fake news, because obviously it's satire. And the Babylon Bee is obviously satire, but left-wing satire was allowed, but right-wing satire. When you make fun of the left, that's no good. 
you make fun of the right, you're allowed, you're, you're promoted. You're not even allowed on, you're, you're more than allowed, you're promoted. But the Babylon Bee, which makes fun of the left, was, was uh, canceled from Twitter. They're, they had their accounts suspended. Uh, and of course, Elon Musk uh, put them back. And they've written some just very funny things. And I'll, I think I'll get to them in a minute. Uh, let's see what else I want. Well, should we do the funny stuff first or should I go into more serious stuff? Um, well, I do want to, you know what? There's something that's important to talk about. And uh, Daniel has come on here in the past. When I have said trans community, he's come on and, and yelled, there's no such thing as a trans community. Okay. So lo and behold, <laughs> Rich Lowry um, for the New York Post wrote an opinion piece a couple of days ago and it's entitled, sorry, progressives, there is no trans community. <laughs> um, he says that community is one of the words that has been hijacked and ruined, like preferred, appropriation, and equity, among others. In the wake of the Nashville shooting, we heard much about the aftershocks that affected the trans community. Fear pervades trans community amid focus on Nashville shooters' gender identity, NBC News reported. Advocates fear an escalation of hate towards trans community after Nashville shooting, warned NPR. And the White House press secretary, good old Karine Jean-Pierre, or KJP, as she's known, referred to the trans community being under attack. There's been a proliferation of ersatz communities in recent years, typically marching under the collective banner of marginalized communities. In an entry on communities of color, the website of the human rights campaign captured the prevailing usage perfectly. People of color who are also LGBTQ plus face a unique set of challenges based on their experience at the intersection of two marginalized communities in our society. The ideological use of the word community has very little or no connection to the actual phenomenon, which involves a discrete set of people often living in proximity who share common practices, values, and norms. The great German sociologist Ferdinand Tonius defined community as an organic, natural kind of social group whose members are bound together by a sense of belonging created out of everyday contacts covering the whole range of human activities. Your neighborhood's a community, your church is a community, and your pickleball league is a community. Thumbs up for pickleball. It's becoming very big, by the way. To take a random example drawn from the life of Joe D., Joe DiMaggio, there's no doubt that a Sola della Femine on the coast of Sicily, where DiMaggio family had fished for generations, was a community. And North Beach, hey, in San Francisco, where Giuseppe DiMaggio moved the family around the turn of the century, was an Italian immigrant community. There are genuine, long-standing gay communities in neighborhoods of American cities, but there is no overarching trans community any more than there's a white African-American left-handed or red-headed community. It's manifestly absurd to consider a disparate, a disparate, or I'd like to say desperate group of people <laughs> constituating less than 0.5% of the population spread out across the entirety of the country from diverse, from diverse walks of life and in different situations regarding their trans status as a community. 
Regarding their status, according to a recent Washington Post and Kaiser Family Foundation study, some of these people may just wear the clothes of the other sex. Some may have had hormone treatments or surgical procedures. Some identify in public as trans all the time. Some occasionally, some never at all. Some, in fact, many may not even refer to themselves as trans. It's even more preposterous to speak of an LGBTQ community. There are plenty of gay people who think it's wrong to try to convince what they consider gay girls or boys that they are really members of the opposite sex. They themselves have never had any doubt about their own sex, and they're supposedly part of the same community, thanks mostly to a wide-sided, widely cited series of letters as people convinced they are the wrong sex. As people, they are the wrong sex. The emphasis on foul community, faux community, is obviously a function of identity politics. It is an attempt to play on our natural sense that communities deserve representation in a way to flatten all members of a large group and subsume them into a single entity that progressives and only progressives can speak for. If most trans people develop doubts about aggressive gender affirming treatments for minors, it will never be said that the trans community opposes such procedures. If we believe what we're told, there's no fashionable community in America that has ever a conservative attitude or sentiment. That's a great point. Only left wingers have communities. Of course, if someone started referring to the white community and expected collective demands attributed to be met, this would be considered ludicrous and noxious. America in the 21st century needs more community, uh, just not the kind that is now on offer. Good article, Rich Lowry. Great article. Fantastic. And he makes us a great point at the end. Where Are all communities left-wing? There are no right-wing communities. They're all leftists. Only leftists can have communities. But it's true. But this brings up even a more important thing than verbiage. It's that a half, less than half of 1%, less than half of 1%, and I argue much less than half of 1%, because as Mr. Lowry said, some people in that trans community just like, they dress up from time to time, or they, it's not, it's not like a real identity thing. But let's say half percent, half 1% of the population spread across this entire country of 330 million people uh, are considered trans. Why do we kowtow to these people? Would we kowtow to any other uh, population base, we're not going to say community, that's that small? Would we let them hijack us and make policy? Of course not. But this is what happens when you have Democrats. Republicans aren't aren't uh, giving in to these people. It's Democrats who give in to them. Why, though? Well, because, you see, it's like, a, it's like when, uh, when the virus spreads. So you have only half percent of the population, right? Yet... There are other larger percentages of the population, white liberals, gays, lesbians, bisexual people, who uh, grab on to this, who have also, let's say, been hijacked into this, into this uh, philosophy, and they will vote against. Democrats are afraid that they'll lose their votes if they don't kowtow to this very, very small community who has been able to successfully give them credit hijack a lot of other larger actual communities, let's say, uh, on their side. So they're under attack. This whole idea they're under attack. That's how sick and twisted this world is. A trans person, someone who identified as trans, goes in and kills six people, including three nine-year-olds, 
in a Christian school and it's trans people under. So it's the person who pulled that trigger, I think 130 times, 130 rounds, who's under attack, not the people they killed and attacked. This is how sick, this is how sick this country is led by this administration who's propagated this falsehood. They're the ones who propagated it. They're the ones who, when it's someone who's perceived to be a Trump supporter or just a regular white person who kills people, they consider those people victims. They talk about them. They read their names. We've seen almost none of that from the left. We've seen none of it from the White House. They won't even talk about the victims because they were Christians and the attacker was trans. That's how sick things are now. That's what a when I say things out there are sick and getting sicker, this is proof of that. This is proof of that. When we call the perpetrator the victims, right? When we call the perpetrator, the criminal, the victim, as left wing so often does, not just in the case of this trans shooter, but in the case of crime, people who commit crime in our major cities. Oh, they're the victims. They've had tough lives. Oh, no father, no mother, no sisters, no brothers. Don't put them in jail. Don't put them in jail. We need to rehabilitate them, which, of course, we know never works. So until the, until we get rid of this sick, infested mindset of the left, things will not get better. And all of our lives are at stake here. Our lives are much more in jeopardy when it comes to crime, violent crime, than it does any cold virus, any sniffle virus, any virus that gives you a cough for a couple of days. Maybe the left wing doesn't get that, but that's the actual reality. Most of us have to worry much more about violent crime. It doesn't have to be the most extreme thing, like murder. It could be just assault. It could be battery. It could be robbery. Then we ever will have to worry about a sniffle. They don't seem to understand. They think, they think it's the reverse because that's the reality they've created. They've created that reality that the truth is the is fiction is the truth and the truth is fiction. It's actually incredibly sad, sick, twisted thinking. But that's their narrative. They can't, they can't admit to the reality. What I have is not a narrative. It's the reality. But they can't admit to the reality. They have to stick with their narrative, no matter what. And it's, it's getting us killed. And this is not, I, you know, I don't believe in fear and hysteria. But when you look at actual raw numbers, and then you have the, your feeling, your own personal feeling, right? It's bad enough, let's say, the economy, the numbers show it's bad. But when people feel that it's bad, it's bad, regardless of what the numbers say. Okay? It's the feeling people have of being worried about money. It's a feeling people have of being worried about their safety and their lives and their well-being. That matters regardless, even though the numbers back it up, regardless, the feeling people have every day matters. It matters. If you want to call in, you're welcome to. But there were a couple of, you know, I, I talk about the Babylon Bee. <laughs> and, uh, oh, did I, did I pull them both up? I think I just lost one. Yeah, I just lost one. Okay, well, the Babylon Bee, I really think you should follow them on Twitter. And you can, and you can, <laughs> and you can read some of their things. But I think the first, the first thing that caught my attention, which I thought was hilarious, 
was uh, an article that, that this is the headline of the article. Woman transitions from being cold due to weather to being cold due to air conditioning. So out of Madison, Wisconsin, according to sources, local woman Millie Barnes has begun transitioning away from being cold due to the weather and will spend the next three to four months being cold because of the air conditioning. Brr, said Bonds in a statement to the press, which was barely audible due to uncontrollable shivering. Experts say Barnes is just one of thousands of women affected by a cruel yearly ritual in which men turn on indoor climate control to keep things at a comfortable 68 degrees, a temperature science has shown cannot sustain a woman's life. Sources close to the Barnes family confirm Millie will now put her winter blankets into storage to be replaced by her summer blankets. She also has plans to open windows and doors around the house while her husband is at work to ensure her survival. At publishing time, Mrs. Barnes has been rushed to the hospital after the temperature dropped below 65. <laughs> this is hilarious. This is too much. I mean, this is the great stuff that the Blabalod B comes up with. And I really recommend that you follow them. And this is the, remember, they were banned. For, this, this is why they were banned from Twitter. They were banned from Twitter because people on the left were too dumb to understand what people on the right understand, which is like, you know, the onion is satire, right? And this is also simply satire. That's all it is. You know, this is not making fun of denouncing women, destroying women. It's just a funny, <laughs> it's just a funny article. That's all. And if I can pick up one that was even better, I think, uh, oh God, I'm going through my Twitter file and I see that, that, that thing did you see that 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 uh, trans person who had the the budweiser the budweiser beer they sent her a a can right with her face on it because she's now the face of of uh, of trans rights it, it's something that's always bothered me while i look up this other funny article is that a lot of these oh here oh this is uh mulvaney dylan mulvaney someone who calls themselves dylan mulvaney is now getting paid tens of thousands of dollars to be a brand ambassador, model, paid brand partner for Nike, Women, Bud Light, Ole Henriksen, Plaza Hotel, Mac, Ultra Beauty, Tampax, and it keeps on going on and on and on and on. Many of these brands target women, and many of the products Dylan advertises, like the Nike sports bra and Tampax, are for women only. This not only makes a mockery of women, it shows Dylan's young followers that if you mock women, you get rewarded with fame and fortune. And this Dylan Mulvaney and a lot of these people who are men who pretend to be women, that's what they do. They mock women. They mock women. I've, I've seen women saying they, this is a mockery of us. We don't act like this. We're not all about our makeup and our hair and our perfume and acting so effeminate and, and, and uh, submissive and, and being uh, grand gestures and diva status. This is all making fun of women. This is what this does is it makes women into cartoons. That's what a lot of these trans people do. They make women into cartoons. This is see, this is their sick mind telling them what a woman is. And this is not what a woman is. But here's the thing, folks. These men will never know what a woman is because they're men, not women. They're men. 
This is why they mock women. They don't understand what it's actually like to be a woman. Once again, you know why? Because they are not women. They're men. So when they play women, they play act and they turn women into caricatures. That's what they do. So this Mulvaney guy turns women into caricatures. And they're absolutely right that making money off this shows young followers that if you mock women, you're going to become famous. If you make fun of women, if you if you turn women into cartoons, you're going to be famous. Can things get any sicker? Unfortunately, unfortunately, I think the answer is yes. Frightening as it may seem. Frightening as it may seem. I think the answer is yes. Things can get much sicker. I can only imagine what's coming next. But once again, we are in a, this half percent has hijacked us to the point where Bud Light is actually putting their likeness on a can and promoting and paying them. You see, that's what I'm talking about. But when you say only half a percent of people around the country are in this group, why are you kowtowing to them? Why, why are they hijacking us? Why are they hijacking our society? Why are they hijacking our culture? Why are we letting them do that? Well, if you're looking for a spine, you certainly don't turn to corporate America. You don't turn to corporate America for a spine. They're just reactionary. And that's what it comes down to. And right now, these people are the, uh, the uh, community du jour in quotes, community du jour. And so they give in to them. Will it last? I hope not. But that's certainly the way it is. Tell me it's not going to last. Tell me this is a phase, a horrible phase we're going through, and it's going to end. What do you call a large transgender woman? I have no idea. A bigot. Okay. Ah, I got it. <laughs> it took me a second and a half. Not bad. Usually it takes me longer to get your jokes. It usually takes a day for you to get one of my yeah, jokes. Yeah. A big <laughs> it. <laughs> Someone without good comic timing would say something like big they, and that doesn't make any sense. Big it. Very good. Good, Daniel. Good. You're, you're welcome. And that's pretty much all I have to say tonight. <laughs> that's your that's your contribution after I talk for an hour and 15 that, that's, fucking that's minutes? That's my contribution. No, I, I, I'm, actually, um, I'm actually very pensive about what, what happened um, in, in um, our community. We actually do have a community um, in San Francisco um, last night with the death of, um, of, of Bob Lee. It's awful. It's awful. Yeah, awful. It, it's It's awful. Um, hopefully something good comes out of it. And um, and Daniel, I think it hits home. You're a guy who walks a lot and often late after dark, midnight, one in the morning sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And I've taken to, over the last month, um, taking different paths home at, in, in the evening. I used to um, would head back from the Panhandle area um, at where I, I t- typically uh, get exercise in that area. And um, we're back in, in the evening hours 
um, maybe going up uh, to Visadero, um, Masonic, and areas like that. Now I, I avoid those areas. Instead, I'll go up uh, Stanion Street, which is at the um, east end of the park, the west end of the Panhandle, and I'll take that all the way up to um, to um, uh, Sacramento, um, and I can walk through a lot. But the area uh, where Mr. Lee picture. was killed is, is a pre- pretty good area. It's not a bad area. Yeah, yeah, but you know? uh, yeah. So I think so, now, so, I'm, so I'll, I'll I'll walk through Laurel Heights rather than walk through the Davis area. In, yeah, which is, I, I, I mean, I think a lot of these miscreants are now targeting wealthy people who 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 walk in these wealthier areas, thinking they're safe. You know, I think that's a big problem. Plus, in a lot of these areas that are known, typically known, this would be better areas here in San Francisco. They're often less populated there are less people walking on the streets there's less light you know it makes it dangerous yeah and and, and i'm always 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 aware of of my surroundings and that the people in in this in my surroundings and um i mean that's really kind of the best you can do um i wish it was easier to carry a weapon in san francisco because i think i definitely would well you can carry a weapon if you're a criminal then you're allowed yeah, 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 yeah. I carry mace. I carry my mace now. So, yeah, if you're in that protected class of, of criminal, you you can you can get away with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you can even use straws if you're a criminal in in, in San Francisco. Otherwise, they're um, they're highly um, illegal and looked down upon. Right, but you know, Lowry. I was going to go back to Lowry. He he agrees with you. He wrote that. It's amazing. You've said so many times about how that bothers you to call it a community. And he wrote this, that, that was a great yeah. piece yeah. about yeah, why yeah. it's not a community. Yeah. yeah. I felt like he was listening to your show or something when I oh, saw it. Oh, it's always possible. It's always yeah, possible. Yeah. You never yeah, know. Yeah. Never yeah. Know. Um, uh, have, have you heard it, that, uh, you, you know, the ice cream shop, uh, salt and straw. Yeah. 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 In San Francisco, they're going to put a, uh, they've got, they've got a special edition. It's called, uh, aluminum foil and straw. <laughs> now I don't know if you're ever serious or joking. Now that's the thing. Now, now I got to think: is he is Daniel being serious, or is he joking? I think I think you're joking, right? Yes, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's a it's a serious joke. Yeah, for for those that that, that don't know, Tinfo- is that, that drugs? Is it drugs? drugs? Yes, yeah, San Francisco's outlawed the use of straws. Uh, but they allow uh, open use of drugs on on the street and, and opioids um, among them. And uh, opioid addicts, fentanyl addicts, um, will commonly use aluminum foil as part yes, of their I, uh, I drug, drug paraphernalia. Wait yeah. a minute. But do you realize that some of those um, paper straws are often in wrapping that's plastic? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's true. That's the mind of the liberal, man. That's yeah. the mind of the liberal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I love it. You go into restaurants here and they say, do you want a straw? Are you sure? And they're like saying, are you sure? Are you sure you want a straw? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll hedge and haw and giving you a straw. But uh, if, if, if you want a little bit of uh, fentanyl with your uh, cheeseburger, it's, yeah, it's, it's already on there, man. <laughs> cheeseburger. This is a with California a burger. Fentanyl. We put the fentanyl on all of them. It's a cheeseburger. Yeah. Hey, that'll be, hey, that'll be an extra buck for the fentanyl, yeah. all right? That'll be an yeah. extra buck. All right. That's all right. <laughs> That's about what it costs. 
Hey, have a good night. Look you like too, Ben. Yeah, Karthik is ready to, to go. Something important. We know when Karthik's ready to go, yeah. we have to put him on. All right, thanks, Daniel. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, uh, Karthik, how's it going tonight? By the way, Karthik, you are on the show called And Let's Be Heard. Karthik, are you there? Hello, Karthik. One minute. You say one minute? Where'd you go? What's more important? You know, you're in line to come on this show and you have to, did you go for a bathroom break? Was it a snack? A snack or a, or a or bathroom break? Or did you have to go, did you have to go somewhere to get your talking points? Okay, so am I going to take your call or am I going to read this Babylon B thing about Trump? Which one am I going to do? He's getting... Oh, there you What's go. your Carthic. thing about Babylon B? Because uh, I like them. Uh, I, I, I like to hear what you want to say about them. No, but you have a good sense of humor. You have a sense of humor. Well, yeah, that's what I just said. I, I, I like them. Yeah, and you, and you can recognize satire. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. I think the Onion uh, 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 is great, and I also like uh, both of them. I, I like Onion and Babylon B. They're great. But you know why you like both? I know why you like both. Because you like both sides being made fun of. You see, uh, yeah, but the problem is, is that too many people on the left like it one way, not the other. And that that's the problem. You can make fun of the right, but if the left's made fun of, you got to be canceled. That's not well, allowed. I think it depends who you're talking to. Um, well, uh, Mel knows me a little well, bit. I must know a lot of assholes then, I guess. She, uh, uh, she knows I, I, I like to make fun of the politicians and stuff. You do. You should write for these out. You should write for the Babylon Bee and the Onion. <laughs> Because um, you're very clever that way. I don't know because okay, look, most institutions even like okay. L- l- let's take an example for Babylon B. Um, mm-hmm. They kind of are open to insiders, and sure, I, I guess the Babylon B. You can say they take more risks than um, than Onion or whatever, whoever. But I'm sure a, a lot of the people the Babylon B. You know, they wouldn't like it if you're making fun of DeSantis or Trump or whoever. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren uh, Boebert or whatever. So to an extent, they'll only accept their version of the status quo, at least. Well, I don't know, because I've, I've seen the Babylon Bee on television a lot. And he said, I think, I think one of the reasons why they started it is because The Onion, just like Saturday Night Live, would rarely, if ever, go after the left, make fun of the left, only the right. So they wanted to even things out because there's a lot of funny stuff out there you can say about the left. And if I, I argue more funny stuff. You could say about well, the left I, I, the I think right there's days, plenty so of funny stuff to say about both. Like, like I think Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert are quite hilarious, and also, you know, other people too. But um, but yeah, I I think it. But obviously, the, what we both agree that there's like a status quo. I mean, let's say I, I'm sorry. Uh, obviously, there's a status quo, but there's also like a circle or a, a square, you know, of uh, uh, acceptable thought. Let's say. And if you go past that, you know, you're not going to be welcome. Like SNL has had very. Very few jokes about uh, Joe Biden, obviously, you know? Yeah, very few. And Kamala Harris. Well, uh, case in point is that they had for the, the formerly you know, welcome actor Alec Baldwin playing Trump all the time. And he was really good at it. He was. But yeah, they I, don't have someone good playing Biden all the time, you see? They had Jim Carrey do a little bit of it during the election two years ago. Yeah, like through and, the uh, debates yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and that was it, though. And that was it, though. But here's the thing, Karthik. There's a difference, and it's been brought by a lot of people about Saturday Night Live. When they do something that makes fun of the right, it's incredibly sharp, okay? It's like incredibly sharp and biting. Then they'll do something that kind of makes fun of Joe Biden, but it won't really be that sharp, 
It won't be that cutting. It'll be just kind of goofy and silly. And that's the difference. And they write it that way on purpose because they have their own political agenda. They feel more comfortable making fun of the right than the left. They just do. They, it wasn't always that way. Saturday Night Live used to be much better when they had better writers who didn't have like a political agenda. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I don't even think it's that conscious. I think a lot of times it's unconscious bias because it's, it's mm-hmm, the people mm-hmm. that they are and it's the people that get hired. You know, it's, it's kind of like the type of people, hey, that um, – because I, I think one weird thing about SNL is, is that a, a lot of the writers went to like uh, Ivy League or other top schools. It just doesn't make any sense why um, – why you're supposed to be like super funny, but at the same time you went to Harvard or Columbia, I don't know, whatever. But what I'm saying is there's certain types of people that get welcomed into top institutions, whether it's like journalism or school or let's say um, media or whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so sometimes, a lot of times it's a subconscious bias. Sure, obviously sometimes, obviously there's definitely conscious biases, but a lot of times it's just about the like, small acceptable thought of people that get accepted and not. Like, but um, what's said... Uh, uh, What's sad is that if they didn't have that bias, whether it's conscious or not, the show would be better. It would be funnier. It would get better ratings. It would get better reviews. So it just – it hurts the show. And what's sad is that the people who run the show, like Lauren Michaels, don't care about that because they they care more. It's very odd for people who like making money, but they care more about their political agenda than they do about their show, their craft being successful. It's very yeah. odd. Very More odd. than just whatever political agenda they have, I think it's just about being super safe, because being super safe and boring actually attracts a lot of uh, a lot of sponsor. In this case, they'd be called advertisers. So it's mm-hmm. really just about mm-hmm. being super safe. Like for example, like on foreign policy, they don't talk about it at all. I, I know when they make a joke about Israel. I think two years ago, because mm-hmm. uh, somebody I, I think who's the I forgot, I forgot his name, but um, it, it was like the, what one of like the guys that plays a uh, news anchor. I, I forgot their name. Oh yeah, I, I think his name is Michael Che or something. Michael Che, the black guy. Yeah, he's yeah, black, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's pretty good actually. So he had a joke about Israel, kind of, and it was considered super, super controversial because it was like, I think, May 21 or whatever, 2021. And he said, so uh, in other news, uh, 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 Israel has vaccinated half its people. I'm sure you can guess which half isn't vaccinated. Obviously, he meant the Palestinians. But I actually think like for SNL standards, that is like super, super courageous because on foreign policy, you'll you'll never see them criticize, uh, you know, uh, the uh, the empire or you know the uh, uh, allies of uh, the, right, the, but, the establishment you know like obviously the, there's never been any jokes. But about why why Saudi all these Arabia. why all these uh, what do you call it sacred lambs sacred sheep why the point is you're supposed to slay these these uh, these sacred lamb or sheep however you say it that's what's funny go after these well, people I think it's I, I think it's just about how. Uh, uh, about the media, because obviously, okay, so 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 uh, uh, SNL is on NBC, and NBC is part of Comcast, and Comcast is is a has a giant uh, me, me, media uh, monopoly, almost pretty much, and and so they're one of, of the richest companies in the world, and and all they want to just attract advertisers, obviously, and like I said before, the way you attract advertisers is just being super bland and super safe. That's what the wall looks about. Like I said, it's all about the money, man. Yeah, but usually advertisers want to see people 
watching. They care about rating. Well, there still know. is a decent amount of people watching. So in terms of views, and obviously uh, both, uh, obviously me and you don't watch SNL. But well, the, but their ratings have really gone downhill over the years. They were much better, like in the seventies and eighties. Oh yeah, definitely yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're still attracting us uh, a, a lot of advertisers. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, well, whatever your thoughts are on. Well, that. they attract a young liberal audience. Which is, you know, usually having worked in radio, I know most advertisers want to see the twenty-five to fifty-four. Yeah, demo. because 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 right. because yeah. they're their demo that that's they're spending. the ones who buy things, right? Yeah, with the money, buy yeah, things. buy the most crap, right? So uh, SNL just because of their nature of the show, they attract people in that age range mostly. Yeah. So even know. even though that's been whittled down, the numbers have been whittled down. They still get that big advertiser uh, demo, you know. Yeah. Um, like yeah. me personally, like uh, I, I have no patience for SNL. Like I, I find like I, I might see some of their clips sometimes. It's probably been a while, but sure, they might have a have like a like a one clip that's funny every I don't know few weeks or whatever. But it's yeah. very rare, very yeah. rare. Yeah. You know. Oh, you... did you hear? Yeah. What's up? Sorry. Oh, did you hear that uh, RFK Junior is running? I well, you know, I talked about it for like twenty minutes. You weren't here. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, yeah, I, I, I had to do. Well, I, I have a question for you. Do you think? Now, I, I mentioned this while you weren't listening, was that uh, I don't want to hear from any Democrat that his voice is an issue because Biden's brain and age isn't an issue and Fetterman's brain and depression isn't an issue. So I don't want to hear from any Democrat that they, he, they can't vote for him because of his voice. But do you think his voice in general will be a problem because of all the debates and all the speeches he has to give and all that stuff? No, well, okay. I think personally to him, it won't be a problem because because I've seen him do long interviews and do speeches before. But I'm sure it's going to turn off some people anyway. So maybe people who haven't heard him, especially. Right? Yeah, so I'm sure personally to him, he'll be fine. But um, I I, I guess to others, yeah, it, it could give others a, a ne- negative opinion of him. It's possible. Well, also, I find that once he starts talking, it's not such a that's not so bad. It's just. To get going sometimes is the problem. But the, the more yeah. he talks, the better it is, actually. Yeah, so hopefully I think for, for others, it's a turnoff more than, like, his actual uh, ability. Uh, what's yeah. up, Mel? Who's Mel? Who are you talking to? No, no, I was just shouting out my uh, acquaintance slash... Oh, 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 Mel. I thought you were, like, talking to mystery, mysterious people. You know. No, no, there's a person called... Yeah, Mel. he talks like... Cole was asking about his voice. Do I have that right? He yeah. talks kind yeah. of like uh, Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn talks like, like I don't that. think that's RFK sounds like that's her. That's worse. I know it's worse. That's worse. Than but it's that problem. I don't know. It's a medical thing. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, is, I, I think obviously yeah, it can't be cured. Him, He's got the money. Evidently, it can't be cured. You know, so I don't know. But uh, let's put it this way. Forget the voice. The guy's great on so many issues. You know, yeah, and, I, mean, I, I, I yeah. honestly like, yeah, I never even really like heard about him until very recently, like, like I think like a year ago. Yeah. But and he's actually until very recently, like he's actually known for, you know, his environmental cause because he's a lawyer and he's actually sued many uh, corporations that have been destroying the environment, you know, like uh, Norfolk Southern, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and, and and he's actually ha- uh, trying to like investigate the people at uh, Norfolk Southern right now, you know, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so can you but get behind I, this guy? Can you get behind up? a candidate for president? Can you do it? Oh, am I supporting him? No. He's, he's running. Oh, a, man. No, I'm just I trying can't. to be honest. You know, I'm just <laughs> oh. uh, being trying to be. Because, you know, I, I try to be. I've, obviously, it's impossible. But yeah. I try to be as objective as possible. Nobody can win you over. Nobody can win you over. Although Bernie did for a while. 
But I well, think that was like when I was a lot younger, though. That was like when would, I was you, uh, twenty or nineteen. It wasn't that long ago. No. Like, it was when, what, okay. Yeah. The first time I was twenty, and then the second time I was twenty-four. Did you sport him both times? Yeah. Yeah. No. The, the thing that really got me to stop voting Democrats was I'm sure you've heard of it, the CARES Act in March twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, where they pretty much give like uh, it was a giant biggest bailout ever, you know, five trillion dollars to all the rich and the corporations, and and uh, every pretty much like everybody in both parties uh, voted for it. And so after that, I was like, yeah, I'm done with this bullshit. Well, I think I think what happened with Bernie really uh, has some real deep psychological imprints on you. Uh, me too, but I think it really. I know. Yeah, you, you've told me you supported him twice. Yeah, but it's it, it in the fact like I think you in general, have trouble getting behind people who run for president. And then you got behind this guy and he, and he, you know, exposed himself as being this big phony. And that's really, he's the ultimate, he's the ultimate cuck to the, yeah. I mean, I've never seen anybody sell out in record speed. You know, it was like, let's say on Super Tuesday 2020, he was saying about, Oh, we're going to take on the establishment, you know, and we're going to do X, Y, Z. We're going to do this and that. And then a month later, it's like, we all have to get behind Joe Biden. I remember, but but, but I, I'm sure. Do you remember? But don't you remember? I know you're only twenty, but he did the same thing with Hillary. Well, okay, I'll say this. I think okay, it seemed like in 2016 he actually ran like a real campaign, you know. Yeah. But in 20, it seemed like the entire time he wasn't campaigning to be president. It seemed like he tried to he's, he was campaigning to be Joe Biden's campaign manager. But that makes <laughs> no sense in a way because in 2020 his polling was much better. Then in yeah. 2016, he was actually the favorite early on in 2020, where Hillary was the favorite in 2016. So it doesn't make any sense. That's what I, I agree with you, though. But I think his campaign should have been stronger in yeah. 2020 because he was the favorite. Um, well, I, I, I guess in some ways it was because at least in 2020, he he, he was number one for like a month or whatever. Like, until, until South Carolina. Until yeah, South Carolina. yeah. At least he was number yeah. one because... Because, because I think at best in twenty sixteen, like there was a few mm. polls where he was like statistically tied yes. in twenty sixteen, maybe. But in twenty twenty, yeah, there was definitely polls where he had like like a ten point or eight point lead, whatever, as number one. Um, but yes. like I said, it's like the, like I feel like he had some good criticism about Joe Biden, like on like Social Security or, or the Iraq War. But besides that, it was all about Joe Biden's my best friend. You know, I know, uh, I know. I, well, I, here here's I, the problem, Carl. Whatever. Here's uh, the difference between well, here's the difference between Hillary and Joe is that Bernie had this affinity for Joe Biden that he didn't have for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Because he had worked in the Senate with him and so on and so forth. You know, so that he liked Joe Biden. Let's put it this way. Bernie liked Joe Biden. I don't think Bernie cared much for Hillary Clinton. Well, yeah, but even for Hillary, like he, he campaigned for her a ton. And obviously he got no credit for it. He got shit on. By yeah, he did like 30 out. rallies for her. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was closer to forty, but yeah, he he did a shit ton. Right. No, no, it it seemed like he was camp- for both Hillary and Joe Biden. It seemed like he was campaigning more for them than they were campaigning for each other. Well, especially Joe Biden. I, I can't get inside Bernie's head because I think he's a phony. But I think what what he wanted to really do is he 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 knew the way you talk about this. He knew the way things work, and he knew the way. Democrat Party would not let him be the nominee. So what he probably wanted to do was just get his ideas out there, try to get his ideas adapted by the people who would eventually be the winners. That was his whole thing, basically, was like getting people to think a different way about things, which in a way he did. I mean, he got me to think differently. I, I, 
I totally sure. understood what a disaster the Democratic establishment was, you know. But what I didn't do is I didn't go back to the Democratic establishment the way Bernie wanted his supporters to do. You see? That's the difference. Yeah, well, it's clear that he's afraid of being destroyed by the establishment, kind of how uh, Ralph Bader was. And I'm sure the last thing he wants is to get kicked out of Congress or whatever, you know? Um, so kicked out of Congress. The guy's, a, the guy's a senator for three decades. Yeah, well, no, what I'm saying is, like, he, he doesn't want to be destroyed by the media and the establishment, you know? Because cause after the 2000 election, like, the entire media made it seem like uh, R- Ralph Nader was a devil or whatever, you know, even though yeah, he's actually saved. Uh, you know what? I might care about that if I were 50, but why would you care about that at 80? I mean, well, come well, on. well it's, uh, Ralph Nader doesn't care, but it seems it's obvious. That, well, I, you know, do you know who Chris Hedges is? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, Bertie actually told Chris Hedges this, and I, I, I trust Chris Hedges. He's, he seems very objective to me and uh, like an honest guy. So Chris Hedges, because Chris Hedges uh, was actually pushing him to run independent, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and outside the Democratic Party because it's obviously a rigged election. Yeah. Um. And Bernie said to him that he wouldn't want to do it, you know, because because uh, he, uh, in his words, he 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 didn't want to turn into Ralph Nader. Oh, because Ralph Nader supposedly hurt Al Gore. Yeah, that's honestly all bullshit. But yes, of course they, it is. Bernie's eyes. Of course it is. Um, Remember, they tried to push the uh, first of all Hillary. Forget about Russia, Russia, Russia. That was what he tried. She, that's what she pushed after she lost to Trump. But you remember they were pushing this bullshit that Jill Stein was going to ruin everything for her. Jill Stein, who got 1% of the popular vote nationwide, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all, it's, ruined, it, ruined it for Hillary. Ruined it, it for it's, Hillary. All just hi, it's all just uh, hiding and lying. Well, this is the thing. The Libertarian Party, uh, the Green Party takes, okay, we can make the argument that the Green Party takes away more from the Democrats and the Libertarian Party takes away more from Republicans. But the Libertarian Party in 2016 got like three times as many votes. Yeah, it got 3%. No, okay, I'll Republicans tell you why. Republicans never complain yeah. about the Libertarian well, it's, Party it's, it's ruining Because things. they won the election. But okay, yeah. I'll tell you the truth about They never why. have. They never have. Yeah, in yeah. 2020, yeah, they, I, did, they, I, didn't, I they didn't say Trump lost because of Libertarians. Come on. Well, they had a bunch of other excuses. Come on, Mike. You know that every time a party loses an election, they always try to find a million people to blame. But besides yeah, but that, the, um, the Democratic the Party has done that to the Green Party for a long time now. Oh yeah, you yeah, know yeah. me. Uh, I, I'm I, I'm the last person you'll see making excuses for the Democrats. Um, but anyway, so about the Green Party in 2016 and Hillary. No, the, the, uh, that excuse is like the dumbest thing ever. Because 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 uh, uh, e- even if, if Hillary got all the votes from the Michigan and Wisconsin and stuff, she still w- would have lost. So, uh, yes. You know, yeah, I actually, uh, I, I, I verified this because I was just curious, you know, because I, I, and I, and, and I, I added all the votes that Jill Stein got to Hillary's total mm-hmm. and she still would have lost elections. So that's mm-hmm. all bullshit. No, I know. Uh, We've all done the math, but this, they don't care about the numbers and the facts. They just want yeah. their narrative. That's all. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just about protecting the the status quo, which is obviously, like I said before, it's making the rich richer and me and you, uh, re- re- regular guys, poorer. Right, and and what they did, it worked because in twenty twenty, even though Howie Hawkins was not a half of the candidate that Jill Stein was, they didn't do nearly as well as Jill <laughs> Stein did because the Democrats were very successful at making it look like the the Green Party were the were the bad guys. And so people didn't vote for them in 2020. So that's that was very effective. It's it's really sad when a when a major political party 
has to go after a party that gets one percent of the vote yeah, the every Green four party, years, which has yeah. like uh, zero par- power in the country, but they have to act like they're the devil. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, you and I agree on a lot. I think it's scary sometimes. I think well, I prefer disagreeing with you. Well, no. Well, we definitely disagree on you know uh, DeSantis and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But you, but I, I, but you don't like anybody. So it's it's you don't you won't even vote for RFK Jr. The this big great environmental warrior who's right on COVID, right on the vaccines. I mean, I, you're very hard to please, Karthik. Well, I like I said, like I said, uh, these these people that we vote for, we, we live in, like I said, a pretty much a mafia terrorist state. So why 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 would I vote for any terrorists? Like, cause I I I I know in the war on terror, we talk about how you know the, uh, the Taliban and whatever Al Qaeda horrible. Obviously, those people are you know horrible. They're they're murders, killers, whatever you want to call them. But but uh, every American president is far far worse. You know, um, but between all the wars of terror, oil wars, we I don't know how many people we've killed, but we've killed millions and millions. Oh, you're depressing me. Killed I, I, killed. I, 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 yeah, and, and we've made like tens of millions in refugees and stuff. Uh, I know, I know. Absolutely. There's no, no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. I, 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 I don't know how, how many people uh, Al-Qaeda has killed or made refugees, but it's not in the millions. No, I don't think so. I don't know. I, I don't count these things at night. I don't usually go to bed counting. No, I, count no, it, I don't it count deaths. you up when you actually think about all the math. Like, you, you won't fall asleep for like till 6 a.m. or <laughs> I already have trouble sleeping. Don't make me have more trouble. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, yeah, it's horrible that we've. And uh, I know people act like, uh, oh, I. Anyway, now I let's like go to nine eleven. I just think it's so horrible that what nine eleven. You know, where three thousand people are killed. We you know, if you as if an you call earlier, to... if you go earlier in the show, it'll be earlier. We can talk about nine eleven. Let's not talk about 9-11. Okay, I'll, I'll keep it quick. All I'll say is we used 3,000 deaths to kill millions and millions of people in the Middle East for oil. Bush W is the son of a bitch. Dick Cheney was worse. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And obviously that was um, all three presidents. And I, I, I know you won't like this, but uh, Trump continued the wars. So he's also guilty. Well, Trump claims he came out. I think he might be right. I think he was against. He was. I heard him very early on. Yeah, but he still continued. I'll I'll say one good thing about Trump. And at least uh, he actually did reduce troops in Syria and Afghanistan, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, better than nothing. But he also did coups in South America, which I'm I'm sure you won't like that I mentioned that. But you know what I mean? I I, I, got to criticize them fairly. You can mention, of course. You can mention. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not here to be Trump's lawyer. I don't want Trump to win. Oh yeah, so. I know you, you. want DeSantis to win. Yes. Yes. I. I. I think DeSantis would be worse because his record in, uh, oh, in Congress Stop is, it. is the it most standard. Oh, but just, just the, the fact that it wouldn't be four. Guy. Wait a minute. Just the fact that it wouldn't be four years of circus of uh, impeachments of of, uh, of of porn stars makes it better. I mean, who needs that? You know, this is the amazing thing. Thank you for bringing this up. I'll talk about this more later in the week. But I can't believe that people on the right that I watch on Fox News actually believe that the American people, especially independents, want four more years of a Trump circus where everything is drama, where every day you have to worry about something else happening. Who who wants that? The people don't want that kind of drama for four more years. To be honest, I'm not worried. I, I'd rather ha- have an incompetent president than a competent president. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about uh, the majority of the American sure. people don't want four more years of what we had 
in the four years of Trump from 2017 to 2020. They don't want that. They want just a, a, a kind of a normal functioning president who isn't going to create all of this drama, be in the news every day and carry this circus with him everywhere he goes or she goes. People don't want that. Trump, Trump can't win. He can't. You know, well, okay. Uh, the, the real people that, that love all the shenanigans is the media, you know, CNN, Fox, uh, MSNBC, obviously the, uh, the local well, Trump gets ratings. There's no doubt about yeah, it. No, the, yeah. these guys are looking and like, if there is a trial, you know, in the upcoming months, they're going to cover it nonstop. Just like they covered the, uh, uh, OJ Simpson trial. Did you hear when they want the trial to be in January of next year, a month before oh, the primary geez. voting starts, I mean, it's okay. No, I I didn't hear this. It's insane. It's insane. The guy should just. Uh, I know him. He won't do it because you don't become Donald Donald Trump by quitting. He's not going to drop out, but he really should. It's in the best interest of his party and the country for him to drop out. But he doesn't care about the Republican Party or the country. He cares about Donald John Trump. That's about it. Yeah. Um... I think you know who knew who. I, I'm, I'm sure the trial is going to be a clown fest too. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm sure they'll find hey, some way. Karthik, to... you of all people, you should be against that. I mean, don't you want, especially come January of next year, as these primaries start, don't you want them talking about issues? Oh yeah, no, no. Well, all I'm saying is, regardless of what I want or you want, I'm sure they'll find some way to to cover the trial nonstop. But yeah, right. I agree. Obviously, you know me. I always want it to be about the issues, but I, I'm just predicting what's going to happen. That's, that's what I'm saying. I think it's very impressive that you can talk to me and you can type in the comments at the same time. That's pretty good. That's that's better than chewing gum and walking at the same time. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's all like I'm typing a uh, uh, essay for it to be a PhD <laughs> or something. Hey, and, and you can use the uh, AI to write for you, can't you? AI, uh, come up with some good stuff for me to put. a way to do it. Oh yeah, the uh, uh, a voice command shit. Don, yeah, I I don't like all that AI shit. I I I think. Uh, well, I I don't trust AI at all. You know. You know I, what I should do? Blade Runner many times. I agree. I should do just an experiment. I should have the AI do a show for me one night. Whereas I I know it can't talk. I can like read from what right. it tells It'll me to say. No, be crap. Be crap, man. I, I'll, really? I'll be able to tell. Hopefully, <laughs> you can tell the difference between me and AI. Thank you, Karthik. Well, I'll take that as a compliment. Most AI voice commands sound very robotic, at, at least so far, you know. Well, yes, I can talk like that, too. <laughs> Is it that bad? So, okay, Mike, I, I forgot to, I think you might have said this, but let's say that, you know, if, if Trump uh, becomes a nominee, yeah. uh, will you vote for him? Yes. Okay, even though our vote doesn't matter because we live in California? Exactly. Vote doesn't matter. Why would you vote for him if your vote doesn't matter? Maybe I'll move. Uh, to a, a swing state. Oh yeah, don't you want want to move to Florida or something? Yeah, well, Florida's not a swing state anymore. R- Ron DeSantis has made sure of that because he he won independence there. But uh, yeah, he Florida, won by twenty points. You know what? The, the real swing states now are uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Georgia. Those those are the okay. Real swing states, yeah. are, are you going to move to Arizona? Well, I can go to Arizona and get an apartment for a week and register and then come back. I want. As long as you only vote in one place, it's not illegal. You just can't vote in more how, than one how, place. How do you get an apartment for a week? Most leases are, what, at least like six months or maybe three months, four know. months? How do you get a oh, lease for a week? On. In Arizona, you can find anything for a week. No, actually, I don't know because cause I'm pretty sure don't you have to be a, a – if, if, if you want to be a resident of a state, I'm pretty sure you have to live there for one year, not a week. 
No, no, no. You always can vote somewhere. If, if, I, if I moved, let's say there's an election uh, three months from now. If I move to Arizona, I vote in Arizona. I, I can't vote in California if I no longer live here. You have to vote where you live. You have to vote where your residence is. You don't have to be you also vote. What's the term? You can vote absentee or whatever. You can vote through mail or stuff. Yeah. So even yeah. if you don't live in but California. Wait a minute. Well, let me think. Okay. Mail. So California will matter in the primary, but it won't matter in the general, obviously. Okay. Sure. But no, it yeah. doesn't matter. I would still vote for who I believe should win. I'm not going to not vote because I live in a blue state. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, no, so, Mike, uh, what what are your thoughts on uh, Marianne Williamson, man? I, I don't know. She's she seems like a nice person with some interesting ideas. Uh, do I would I want her to be president of the United States? No, I would think she would have a lot of trouble with like international relations and now, stuff. On foreign policy, she knows jack shit. Uh, have you seen her interview with uh, Glenn Greenwald? No. Okay, so okay, I'll sum it up. For, no, it's pretty funny actually because so, okay, so, so so you know how Glenn Weedle is like a pre- pretty like serious and uh, mm-hmm. very like sure. su- substantive person. Like he he doesn't bullshit around. You know he's he's very serious and stuff and yes on the issues. Yes. So so he asked her a bunch of foreign policy questions on like China and Ukraine and stuff like that. And dude, he knew. I mean, sorry, she knew Jack. Shit. He, he he. She just kept repeating her talking points, whether it's on Zelensky or China or whatever. And he had to baby her. Like he asked her like several questions on Ukraine. And he asked her the same question, but every time he had to like dumb it down. Mm. And, and and so his question was like, okay, so how would you as president uh, like negotiate for peace? Mm-hmm. And she had no idea what to say. All, all she kept saying was, okay, uh, we, we should listen to uh, Zelensky and stuff, you know? And it should be Zelensky. I was like, he asked her like a bunch of questions. And every time her answer was, we, we need to listen to Zelensky. That's it. And and we need to support Ukraine financially. Like, she had the well, same answer to everything. A lot of her views are just pretty, like, strong left-wing views. You know, Democratic yeah. Party views, basically. You know, the the, uh, the critical mass of the Democratic Party, which is that we have to support Ukraine. She was not – she was very big into the getting the vaccines and all the COVID mandates. She never spoke out again. Let's put it this way. If you're running for office and you didn't speak out against the atrocities in the last three years – I will not give you the time of day. So who's in that category? Uh, Marianne uh, Williamson I, is in that, I, they're, they're I, in that I guess category. I guess RFK regarding the Democrats. Right, RFK on the Democratic side and DeSantis on the, on the Republican side. That's it. Everyone else can go take a, you know. So, what. Mike, uh, you know, yeah. I'm not going to vote for RFK because obviously I don't, I don't vote for the duopoly. But yeah. uh, in the primary, uh, will uh, What is that? You... Say anything. Go ahead. I'm not going to get Go ahead. What were you going to say? Good. Would you ever consider uh, voting for RFK in the primary? RFK. Well, that's a you know you put me into a tight spot here, Karthik, because you can only vote. Obviously, you can only vote in one of the primaries. You yeah, I, I I know, but I'm talking about. So I have to choose yeah. Democrat or Republican, and if it's DeSantis versus Trump uh, in March of next year on Super Tuesday when California votes, I would have to pick the Republican primary because I don't want Trump to win. Okay. I you know, know, it's tough. It's a tough call. I understand what you're saying, but it would be great to vote for RFK over, over Biden or Newsom. Mm-hmm. But I just think that, um, let's put it this way. I think this, I think this is a good way of thinking about this. I think the race between DeSantis and Trump will be much tighter than the race between Biden and RFK Jr. Whereas I mean that, unfortunately, I think, 
RFK Jr. had almost no chance of winning that primary, where DeSantis can beat Trump. So I would pick the primary that way there's a, there's a better competition, where my candidate can actually win. Right, okay. And uh, remember, the reason why RFK Jr. can't beat Biden is because the Democratic Party won't let him. Well, yeah, they wouldn't yeah, let, uh, let uh, Bernie win. Real reason is it's because the election's rigged, as it was exposed in the DNC lawsuit. The, but they said, the, and they and they said they have the right to. Yeah, no, the the uh, I forgot his name, but but the DNC's lawyer literally used the words "smoke filled room." Yeah, um, yeah, I'm paraphrasing it, but they said uh, lawyers said if they wanted to, they could pick the candidate a smoke filled room. But 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 his quote was "smoke filled room," and then the judge uh, even agreed. That the Bernie supporters, like me and you, were treated very unfairly by the DNC, but because the DNC is a private corporation, you know, it's not part of the federal government. Uh, you know, they don't have to follow the uh, their own bylaws, which is, and their bylaws mean are supposed to be that they're unbiased and fair. Mm-hmm. But because right. it's a corporation, they don't have to follow their own uh, laws, and, and hey, there is well, no guarantee of fairness. And this you, is what the, but you're uh, always I understand, but you're always saying there's no difference between parties, but. The Republicans in 2016 allowed the primary to play out. Believe me, the RNC and the establishment did not want Trump to win. They wanted Jeb Bush to win. They thought Trump would be a disaster in 2016 against Hillary. They thought he'd have no shot. So they wanted Jeb Bush. Plus, they didn't like Trump. They thought it was crazy. They wanted Jeb Bush to win. Yet they let that primary play out fairly. Yeah, so Jeb why? Bush was definitely a more yeah. quiet figure. But why did the Republicans let the primary play out fairly? Well, and the Democrats seems, didn't. Well, it definitely seems like, and this has been true for many decades, I've heard this from many people, it definitely seems uh, like the DN- Democratic Party hates their base and the Republican Party actually fears their base, you know? Like they that's def- a very good difference. Like they definitely that's, shitting that's their pants. A very and, concise And And, and they seem to know, yeah, sorry, and the Democratic good. Party seems to know that their voters will fall in line much more than uh, vice versa. And politicians, the students throughout history, not just American history, politicians only do jack shit, or sorry, they only do anything when they're scared of their people, you know? When the people are scared of um, the politician, it's really just tyranny, which yeah. is what we have now. Right. Do you know what Cole is saying? Something, is that Cole? Sally? Cole? What, what name is that? Oh, uh, Sally, yes. Yeah, I have, not, I have, I have um, bad eyesight. I have bad eyesight. You, you have young eyes. What, oh, no, is, uh, she's is, talking to uh, Mel in the chat. She's not talking to you. Doesn't it say end at, oh, I see. Oh, I see, I got you. I yeah, they're talking mean, to each I, other. Don't, don't I, worry. I, I need, uh, unfortunately, I'm at the point now where I need uh, Chuck Schumer's bifocals. I need some good oh, those. my God. Okay, <laughs> have you seen Chuck, the uh, Chuck Schumer imitations on uh, Jimmy's show? They're pretty hilarious. Oh, well, Chuck Schumer's. I love Chuck Schumer imitations. Yeah. yeah. You got to get those I, bifocals and put them down below your nose, you know, and that's it. And you get. Yeah. Have, have you seen the uh, imitations of uh, Cuomo, uh, Andrew Cuomo? Andrew Cuomo. No. no. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're hilarious. Like there, there's this one where uh, where he pretends that uh, he's he, he's going to be Batman. And then he says, I'm vengeance. It was so funny. Oh really? I have to. I have to watch. No, I do like. I like that stuff. I like when people are made fun of. Just not me. You can't make fun of me. Yeah, no, and, and there's this one where Andrew, where you know, Mike playing Andrew says because because you, you know how Andrew was kicked out for sexual harassment and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah, uh, Andrew says uh, he he's going to create an organization to stop sexual harassment. So it's just oh yeah, okay. funny Well, you know, interestingly enough, you know, Andrew Cuomo came out against the Trump indictment. And said it was politics, which is pretty interesting. A little bit of a uh, 
crossing the aisles there. But of course, he's right, right? He's right. Sorry, well, uh, uh, could you repeat that? I didn't hear you. I said Andrew Cuomo came out against the Trump indictment, saying it was purely. Politics. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I heard about that. Yeah. You know, so maybe it's because he doesn't want to be indicted. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> I hear that. Oh, well, yeah, I, honestly, I think uh, Andrew Cuomo is going to be fine. He, 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 he's done what the establishment wants for many, many years. So he, he, he's going to be fine, you know? Yeah, but he really screwed up in many ways. Look, I mean, okay, uh, do you remember who uh, uh, Elliot Spitzer is? Yes, of course. Do you remember? Well, the thing is, he really shouldn't have been kicked out of office. Mm-hmm. Because 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 uh, because obviously because I know that the banks report his transactions, and obviously that's how they found out that he was you know with hookers and stuff. Which so who cares? I I, I never no no. Well, what what I'm saying is that was also a political okay, that because Andrew I'm sorry Spitzer actually was going after the banks. Right, and, but wait a minute. Because of that, I understand. But there was also hypocrisy with Spitzer is that he was going he was going after prostitution. He was going after. Oh his big yeah, thing. yeah. Obviously, he was hypo- hypocrite. Right. But what that I'm saying is, Spitzer was is actually that he's challenging right. power because he was actually right. prosecuting bankers. Right. And, and and the way that people found out about his transactions was that uh, because because usually by law banks are only supposed to report transactions if they if they're under I'm sorry over ten thousand. Right. But for him, they were reporting transactions that were under ten thousand, which which they're not supposed to do, and that's how people figured out that uh, he, he he was banging hookers. Yeah. Once again, if Spitzer wasn't such a hypocrite, if he didn't spend so much of his time as district attorney going after escort agencies, which is ridiculous, yeah, I don't think people would have cared as much. But he was such a hypocrite that people pointed that out, you know, so and, and then they said, well, maybe he probably he just went after the escort agencies that he wasn't using. Right. That he wouldn't go after the ones that he was using. So it was very selective prosecution with that. That's so stupid. Who goes after what idiot? He, you know, he shouldn't have been governor. What idiot goes after escort agencies? You got to be a yeah, fucking that's loser. That's a dumb thing to do. Uh, no, no. Okay. Well, well, the real reason why I brought it up is that uh, there are con- consequences when you actually go after the powerful. Like I said, Spitzer going after their banks. Um, so there's consequences for him, unfortunately. Um, me meaning he was kicked out of office. But yeah. because uh, Cuomo was kicked out of um, – sorry, Cuomo you know, was very pro-banker. He was very pro-status quo. He's going to be fine. No, I actually think that uh, Cuomo got some new job actually recently. So mm. he's going to be fine. Yeah, he'll be fine. He will. He'll be fine. Hey, Kothic, let me let you go. I want to read the law and order thing before I end the show. Because it's very funny. Yes. Yeah. Wait, so right, is this one from, from the Babylon Bee? Yeah, the Babylon Bee. It's really funny. Okay. Kothic, thanks for the call as always. Thank you. He's a good caller. I'll give him thumbs up. Now, he, he, he has this thing, Kothic, where he calls and then he goes away who knows you know whatever people have their proclivities proclivities why is everyone coming so late the show has been on for two hours because i come on just as a reminder 11 p.m pacific 2 a.m eastern and uh you know the, the beginning of the show was great greg loved it greg loved my rant at the beginning of the show about the crime in San Francisco and Chicago and all that stuff, but people weren't here. But you could always listen to the replay. You could always listen to the replay on callin.com, which usually is up um, about five minutes, 10 minutes after the show ends. But this is here, I want to end on a light note. And you know, I love the Babylon Bee, and this is hilarious. This has to do with the Trump indictment. NBC debuts a new show, Law and Order. 
falsification of business records unit. In order to capitalize on the current focus of New York City prosecutors on offenses related to business record keeping, NBC has announced plans to debut a new show titled Law and Order Falsification of Business Records Unit. This really falls in line with the show's tradition of creating hard-hitting programming that is, as we'd like to say, ripped from the headlines, said NBC Universal CEO Jeff Schell. Why should we waste time with law and order shows that deal with minor stuff like murder, organized crime, sexual assault, and other totally insignificant cases when we can go after big stories like inaccurate business bookkeeping? The law and order franchise has been a powerhouse for NBC for over three decades, but network executives were eager to jump on the new understanding that the greatest crimes facing society today are false business records. We're seeing how egregious these crimes that are Donald Trump allegedly perpetrated, Shell said. We can shed more light on these heinous acts and educate our audience about the seriousness of what Trump has done. People are clearly interested in these crimes, right? It's simple. We'll just take stories featuring these types of cases, slap the law and order brand name on them, and boom, we've got a hit series. At publishing time, NBC was fast-tracking the series into production while President Trump was reportedly already calling producers to negotiate a percentage of the royalties generated by the show, as well as potential guest-starring appearances in the near future. Oh, just hilarious. Great stuff. Great stuff from great stuff from the Babylon being. You see, they even give a little Trump a little bit of a, a you know, nudge there at the end. And uh of course that would be absolutely true. That would absolutely happen. So yes. The the important things that our liberal prosecutors are focusing on. The important things that we all care about. Okay. All right. I want to remind everybody that's here that this show called and let's be heard. It airs. It starts at 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern time. So if you're someone who stays up late, who has weird hours, you know, I'm here for you. You can you can listen in starting at 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. For those of you maybe with a little bit of insomnia, you know. I'll keep you up. Don't worry, because as people heard at the beginning of this show, a lot, a lot makes me very angry, especially lately. And I live in San Francisco, so I'm in a constant state of agitation. Okay, Uh, so this show airs weeknights, Monday through Friday, Okay, which means as long as you know the days of the week, if you know your days of the week, that means I'll be right here, right back here, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern tomorrow night. But Until then, this is Micah Chopoli reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.